Speaking of today, we've got coming off of my shelf, 1983's comedy, Trading Places, featuring uh, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, Trading Places, the rich and the poor. And uh, Dave, how you doing, buddy? Happy New Year. This is our year-end episode. I'm very excited. Great. What are your, what are your thoughts on the movie? Have you seen this before? Do you have initial feelings? Thanks. Thanks, Phil, for asking. I do have feelings. Uh, my f- the first issue is I watched Trading Places, the TV special from 1992, directed by Sue McMahon, starring Scylla Black, Leslie Joseph, Jeff Christian. And I said to myself, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is the right movie. I'm not sure. I didn't think you collected TV specials. Uh, and then I went back and searched it, and I've these Trading Places. I'll be honest with you. I wish I had someone to trade places with right now, so I wouldn't be doing this with you. Wow. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was okay. It was okay. I just, I, I just, I couldn't resist the joke. Right. I wish the movie was bad, so that joke would have been a lot more uh, relevant. Unfortunately, but uh, uh, I have some some issues with it. Uh, but all okay. in all, it wasn't uh, wasn't a bad watch. Uh, you know, it's good year eighty three. I was five. So I didn't see it when it originally came out, but uh, certainly got some a good cast. Uh, and I, I, I saw a bit of a Christmas-themed film, so leading to the usual question, why this movie, why now? Are you considering this just another holiday film? Yeah, I would say that, uh, strangely, from the moment I first saw it, it was more of a... Well, the reason I chose it was that it, it's one of the few movies that stick out in my mind as a New Year's movie rather than a Christmas movie. And I don't really, you know, in watching it again, it's really just that one little scene near the end. Um, but it makes me laugh. And so it's always just stuck out of my head as being a New Year's movie. And I thought, since uh, this is our New Year's movie, uh, it was the only one I could come up with. So part holidays, I suppose, Christmas, obviously, uh you know, Santa uh, uh, makes an appearance, but uh, it's for me always as a, as a, as a new year's movie. So I thought it would be an uh, appropriate choice in, and in saying that I don't think I watched this movie. I have watched this movie in over a couple of years, just kind of a, uh, you know, falls by the wayside. New year's has gotten a little more uh, interesting and diverse over the last couple of years. So as it is, uh, it wasn't the sort of go-to, um, so it's been a, a few years since I, since I, I watched it, but when I first saw it, I, it's somewhere in the mid eighties on video cassette. Um, I just thought it was hilarious there, there for a long, long time, there wasn't anybody funnier to me than Eddie Murphy and, uh, and still pretty true. Uh, actually that even movies that some might think are, are pretty terrible movies, I think are, are immensely elevated by his uh, performance. He's only 21 years old when he's making this movie. Oh, and uh, and I, you know, in rewatching it with a, a somewhat critical eye, you're just looking into me anyway. And I see we've talked about this before in other episodes, but this guy's a star, superstar. You know, like he just jumps off the screen from the first to me in the in the first scene right away. You know, so uh, it was nice to uh, to reconnect uh, uh, with him, and we can talk a little bit more uh, about him moving forward. But uh, so that those were my sort of you know, history with it. You know, watched it pretty frequently 
in my younger years, but hadn't really visited it in, in, in a few. Um, this movie directed by uh, John Landis and uh, John Landis has directed a bunch of really, he had like a kind of a really interesting sort of seventies and mid eighties and then kind of fell apart. Uh, there's a variety of reasons for that, but looking at his, you know, his, his filmography as it were, I mean, stuff like, Animal House and Blues Brothers and American Werewolf in London and Trading Places and the Michael Jackson thriller video all the way up until uh, 83, basically. And you throw in Spies Like Us in 85 and Three Amigos in 86 and Coming to America in 88, you know, for about those 10 years. Um, and we're going to do another movie of his a little bit later. He directed a, a, a real favorite of mine <clears throat> called Oscar. Uh, we're going to do that sometime in the coming year. But um Anyway, just a, a real great, you know, history. Uh, and then sort of by the 90s, he just sort of falls apart and uh, makes a bunch of crappy movies. Did anything nope. I just uh, suggest, did you have any thoughts on any of those movies? Have you seen him before or know of him at all, his career? Uh, not particularly. I was going to say, I've probably seen the ones in the 90s. I probably really liked them, uh, judging yeah. by our different <laughs> tastes. That's but... right. You're, you're probably, uh, he's hitting his peak yeah, yeah. <laughs> in your mind, just as he's following right. in mind. Was he Armageddon? Did he do Armageddon in 98? Uh, <laughs> but I know, is this, let me ask this question. And, uh, and all that is, is this a Saturday night, Live Saturday night live movie? Like this bulk it of is 80, it's 83. So by this time, Dan Aykroyd had left Saturday night live. Okay. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Eddie Murphy was still on uh, SNL. So it's not really an SNL like produced movie necessarily, right? Blues Brothers earlier, uh, both Dan Aykroyd and, and uh, John Belushi, I think were still cast members, maybe on their way out. Universe, I feel like SNL didn't really become the sort of SNL movie thing until the 90s, like around uh, sort of okay. Wayne's World, I feel like was the, the peak of that or like maybe the beginning of that. Um, but there is obviously an SNL connection because of the cast, but uh, not specifically endorsed, I don't think, by SNL. Now, I didn't really. Uh, let me just take, just take a look at this. Uh, the name was familiar, Landis, but I just like wasn't exactly sure. I figured he did more coming of the same. Like, I haven't seen Coming to America, and I feel bad about that. Uh, oh, yeah, I, really I, should, I really should. Uh, I haven't even seen Three Amigos. I thought I've, that would have been the one you did see. Uh, yeah, I'm f definitely familiar with it, absolutely. Sure. Uh, but I haven't seen it. Uh, Animal House, I miss. I mean, these are movies where I just was too young to watch and just my parents weren't really big on raunchy movies, so I probably missed a good chunk. And then by the time I was, there was this whole new set of movies that had come out that kind of caught my eye and these kind of kind of got left behind, unfortunately. Sure. So that's the, that's just the well, reality of the situation. The good news is that I have almost all of those movies on my shelf. So he's actually, in looking at that stack, again, of those sort of 10 movies or so, uh, he's very well represented in, in, on my shelf. Uh, of all the filmmakers that we've sort of talked about over the year, uh, he's, he pops up very frequently on my shelf, coincidentally. Well, I mean, I have seen Blues Brothers 2000, and uh, we've already kind of touched on that a few episodes ago. And that's yeah, right that. the late 90s. That was 98. <laughs> so it did not uh, do as well as Armageddon that year. I'll tell you that much. That's for sure. Very, very slow. Yeah. And just looking at the later stuff, uh, nothing jumps off the screen for me. So uh, Susan's Makes sense. Plan, never heard of it. I hate kids. Yeah, not, not really much happening there. But uh, 
Yeah, I definitely had to sort of cut his teeth on on that again, late seventies, early eighties comedies, uh, and uh, was really the spearhead for for a lot of those formula of uh, uh, formative uh, comedies again. And then working with the SNL group, right? He worked with Dan Aykroyd a lot. He obviously worked with Eddie a lot, uh, or you know, this being uh, the first chance, but you know, made I think three other movies with him. So definitely has a. Uh, you know, can pick some funny people and, and, and kind of ride them out and, and was a bit of a go-to director uh, working with Chevy and, and Steve Martin, of course. So uh, high quality stuff. Um, his direction itself uh, doesn't necessarily strike, strike, you know, I don't find. Uh, although I will say this movie kind of opens uh, uh, brilliantly. I, I just love a lot of the sort of montage and, and some of the, the shots. So it definitely has a style and a look to it and, and certainly, a, a, you know, a, a way to sort of make a movie or, or a way to present a movie. So uh, there's definitely some energy to it. He's uh, it's probably cocaine, <laughs> you know, frankly, in the <laughs> mid early, early eighties, probably Coke, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, whatever gets you through the net. <laughs> now, I do like how they introduced the movie. And I think you would pick up on it. I, I mean, for the most part, it, it would cut to uh, a, a rich scene, like of, of m- money and wealth. And then it would, cut to the next scene of, of poverty and then we go back to yeah. right and I, I like that it wasn't like uh, necessarily one for one but it looked like it, actually for a little bit it felt like it was one for one and i thought that was um that was clever like that was a good uh, good idea pretty sim- simple uh, uh thing to do yeah. but for a movie like this it seemed very suiting for it right it just fit yeah i think it's it does it's you know it does the job obviously the title is another one that sort of uh sums it up i think the original title for this was like black and white or something like that which you know wasn't all that interesting a title so when it got changed to trading places i think you kind of have a sense as to what the premise of the movie is and i and to your point i think certainly in those first um in that opening montage you do get a sense of oh yeah okay we're telling the the we're talking about disparity right we're talking about the rich and the you know the have and the have nots we're talking about the rich and we're talking about the poor and that's maybe the places that we're trading and so I think in terms of uh, a shorthand, it is a, an effective way to sort of set up the premise of your movie uh, in, in pretty short order. And that is, it's a, it's a, it's like a, a shorthand, you know, okay, this is what we're talking about, you know, and it sort of tells you right away. And then, you know, opening shots kind of uh, uh, further indicate, you know, that, uh, you know, which we can talk about. Did you, um, well, let's just talk a little bit about the cast. Obviously, a lot of uh, this is our second Ackroyd movie after Ghostbusters, uh, just a couple of years prior. Um, that guy plays such a good dick, uh, you know, <laughs> that that straight laced, you know, he ended up later making Dragnet uh, with Tom Hanks and uh, I think Joe Friday is his name in that. And there's a certain the manner of which he speaks and the posture and just his general demeanor when he wants to be this sort of stuck up asshole, uh, I think is he's just, there's almost nobody better. And I thought when, when meeting Winthrop in this setting, you're just like immediately going like, you're a dick, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, did you uh, appreciate his performance? Did you find some sort of nuance, uh, anything I thought his de- decline, I thought was really interesting. And uh, generally speaking, uh, an actor that, 
you know, sometimes gets a little hit and miss with me, you know, but when I watch him in, in movies I like or, or, or kind of revisit some movies, I think, you know, he's probably a little better than I give him credit for. But on the street, I'm, if anyone were to ask, I'm like, nah, I don't like that guy. Doesn't do much, you know. What are your thoughts yeah. on Mr. Ackroyd? Well, I do like a good dick. Uh, <laughs> I thought you so. might, yeah. <laughs> in this, you know, it's a good, Dan Ackroyd is kind of a hard one to read as an actor overall in the roles I've seen him in. I've seen him in small roles like Tommy Boy and, uh, and, and things. And, and then you got My Girl and other movies and, of course, Ghostbusters and such. For me, in this movie, he gets a two out of three. Uh, okay. which, meaning, like, act one, as you said, I, I'm buying the, him as a snob. He, he does play that role well, and um, it was great. It was a great performance uh, and, a, and a great contrast to Eddie, right? So yeah. it's kind of... It makes for a nice, uh, a nice complete film, and then his uh, his demise, like how he goes down and to basically almost murder uh, <laughs> movie. I find his decline. I think is the word I wanted to not to use, to use not demise, but uh, which again, I'm I bought that as well. So that's two out of two. It's really just the last third of the movie, which kind of, uh, for me anyways, and we'll certainly touch on as we get into the scenes, is just kind of fell off the rails yeah. uh, for me. And kind of there's some th- some things that said, you know, this isn't I, I, like his Winthorpe. Uh, he plays two sides of Winthorpe and he's the same person. He's Winthorpe and he plays them well. But I found for the last three, it's not Winthorpe. It's Dan Aykroyd playing uh, an SNL character or doing something else. So. That's that's my overall kind of of, of the movie. So, kind of yeah, I know. agree. I've got problems yeah, with the third act of this movie as well, and I think it's a little long. And and, and certainly we can uh, discuss that because I think yeah, I think you're on yeah, something. Two, two, yeah, two hits and a miss for me for Dan, and and, and in general as an actor, I, I like that. I, I see him as you're a nice guy, so I want to like you. So he kind sure. of gets more of a bit of a free pass for me because I just I think he's just a, a likable guy in general, and I think yeah. I don't. Obviously, I've never met him. I <laughs> don't know him. Uh, but I get that impression that he's fun to work with, that he's just uh, a good fella. So I, I root for him. I root for him in general. And I've liked a lot of his performance. Uh, uh, and I didn't really, can't see, I really exposed him in SNL because it's just before my time. Uh, SNL for me, prime time is Sandler, Farley, Dana yeah. Carvey, McMyers, right? So, and then Absolutely. Like, That's, like, yeah. so I missed that. And I miss that in Eddie, too. Like, Eddie, for me, when I think about Eddie, and you're right, absolutely right, he's one of a kind. Uh, we'll talk a lot about him, but it's not SNL is not what I think of Eddie. Uh, you know, he was, you know, uh, fantastic on it. I just didn't, uh, again, just before my time, but I, I love Eddie in later stuff. Even, like, movies like I Spy with Owen Wilson. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I, that's a, it's not a great movie, but Eddie makes that movie. And even Owen Wilson it was a good performer. I like him, too. Just those two contrasts again is just it was a fun movie for me and I and, and it's kind of like Vince Vaughn when you're getting when you're watching a Vince Vaughn movie you're getting Vince Vaughn you got a little you got that with Eddie as well when you're watching yeah. Eddie Murphy for the most part you're gonna get Eddie Murphy to a certain degree and fast talking just gibbering on about something and just very very witty very clever uh, and just uh, just a great actor just a great presence like you know eddie's there like he steals the room uh yeah. without without being uh, a dick like uh with like thor uh, winthorpe winthorpe but uh yeah i would yeah. agree with uh, with eddie there one of a kind i mean i could say about five 
actors, I think I can get him down to that. I can get him down. There's five actors for me in my time lifespan who have been kind of one of a kind or a group of their own. He would yeah. be he would be one of them, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think maybe we'll just for uh, because we're going to have so much to say, let's maybe jump over him for, for the time being. And we'll talk uh, a little bit uh, uh, more about, let's say, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who we talked a little bit around, uh, obviously, in series. Um, this was her sort of first breakout of the horror genre. You know, uh, she had made obviously Halloween, Halloween 2, she had The Fog uh, all, all before and then. 81 was Halloween too. So this is like her sort of, okay, stop doing horror movies. And I thought she's fantastic in this movie. I thought not only an absolutely gorgeous woman, but like plays the sass and the fire, especially coming out of a, like the coma that she was in, in Halloween two and the, the kind of quiet meek, uh, girl that she was playing in the original Halloween to sort of have her with so much sort of sass and fire and personality and kind of a bit of a showcase, I thought for, for her, uh, her range or her performance. Uh, you know, obviously she was a standout when I first saw the movie, you know, in my, in my, you know, uh, youth. Uh, but I thought she is another one that in watching this movie, you're just like, uh, just jumps off the screen, you know, from, from minute one, I just thought, all charisma and sex appeal. I thought really, really jumped off the page. Well, 82, 83 is when she first started eating yogurt. So I think that just uh, gave her the energy and kind of, you know, helped her along get the proteins and, and such. So uh, yogurt's her thing and she, she shows it in this movie. I, 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 think, I'm not... you, I think, you know, I'm very probiotic. Uh, never, I'm not antibiotic. I've always been very, very probiotic. <laughs> yeah, so I can see your your love for her. I, I don't find her um, a sex symbol. Um, I don't find her attractive generally. Uh, I, I find her a good actress. Sure. Uh, I think in this movie, her role, for me anyways, it was she performed it really well. So, so, but for me anyways, didn't quite mm-hmm. stand out for me, but not in a bad way. Uh, the performance, again, this for me is, uh, for me, a hit and a miss. She just kind of has, unlike uh, Dan, who has like kind of three chapters for me for him, she just has the two, love the first half or two, first two thirds of it. And again, the last half hour, I kind of lost it. I wasn't really buying into what the story was 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 doing for me and and what the choices were for dialogue and all that so up to a certain point i was completely on on board with with her character and i like just again her duality of the character of being frankly a high-end or just a prostitute of sorts uh but having a heart uh for the you know having a you know some empathy and some sympathy I thought was kind of an interesting choice for a character. And I thought, well, this is probably a really good choice for the character because a lot like you do find her, you know, attractive and, and, and that kind of look for me, just not, not maybe just not my type. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, fair. I, you know, I, what I think about is, is in terms of performance, I, I was impressed by, again, just the, the split or the, or the growth for whatever reason uh, between the Halloween movies and this, you know, again, maybe mm-hmm. a little more high energy. So it just 
kind of proved, I suppose, that she's able to 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 do more uh, than just be the sort of frightened girl. Here she's confident, as I said, and then kind of running the show, even though is a prostitute, uh, has like the the game plan, right? Three more years on my back and I should be able to retire. Like I've got T-bills and like really kind of a smart, savvy woman. And obviously this movie, you know, runs into, and we'll certainly talk about it later, into it may be the most 80s movie we've ever watched um, with regards to sort of, uh, you know, tropes, uh, 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 you know, uh, lots of gratuitous nudity, you know, none of it really makes a lot of sense or is germane to the story at all. And obviously there's a big scene later that's, uh, you know, really uh, uh, crazy to me uh, that, that it even exists. But uh, I thought, again, from performance, uh, I was just impressed by her, particularly because the last things I had seen her in uh, were the Halloween movies and didn't really get a chance to really show a range, obviously, in those two movies, particularly Halloween 2, where she's in a hospital, basically in a coma for most yeah. of the time. So, yeah. I thought I mean, she just jumped off the screen as a result of that, at the very least. But I think in general, she's a good actor. I, I think she's been in a number of things over the years that you know, continues to impress, I, I think. And, and, a, and a career, a longevity, you know, she continues to, to come out and, and do interesting work. So uh, I've always been a fan of hers. And, and this movie, I think, is a, a good starting point of that, like, range, right, just to showcase for it. For me, she's always been really good, but never quite great when you talk about the great female leads like Meryl Streep, uh, Glenn Close, um, you know, and a, and a few others, Julia Roberts, just to name a few. I feel like mm -hmm. she's just, just on the cusp, sure, uh, of of being that. Now, I haven't seen a fish called Wanda. Uh, she is Wanda, so I, that, that's her movie. I'm assuming she's pretty probably uh, has a prominent role in that. She's in, of course, My Girl, and unfortunately, My Girl Two. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, True Lies, uh, and yep. those are kind of just a, a few. Obviously, a lot of the Halloweens. Uh, and I always feel like she's good. It just, just didn't quite hit that level, I think, of, of, of stardom. She's obviously well-known in, in Hollywood, and everyone knows who she is. I mean, ha Halloween, you know, that's uh, her kind of a bit of a staple. But uh, I know, I know, just on the cusp for me, uh, overall, yeah, as, as an actress. Uh, I mean, my dad was a big fan of her, uh, I think, just, uh, you know. But, uh, again, there's, I mean, I can't, the Freaky Friday, I haven't seen. That's just not, not a movie I necessarily sure. gra gravitated to. So I, I'm not really in a position just to really give a full kind of, you know, because I just of haven't course. seen enough of her. But that's because kind of the vibe I get and what how I, I feel towards her as an actress. So. Sure. I mean, ultimately, all we can really talk about is in reference to this movie particularly, right, which you which you kind of said you're a bit hit and miss on. So, so that, that that's cool. Uh, I'll say another character that I enjoyed maybe a little more in this one uh, than I this watch uh, than I uh, remember is a guy named Denim Elliott. No, oh, absolutely. Who, uh, who played uh, the butler? Um, ooh, excuse me. Which I, I thought, man, he's hilarious in this movie, and I, I don't know that I, I gave him credit in previous watches uh, for being as good as he is, uh, but. Coleman uh, was hilarious from again minute one. Like again, maybe not stealing the the show, you know, certainly not. Uh, but in terms of a performance, his like we talked a little bit about this on a previous episode with the kind of joke behind the joke. Uh, he's uh, you know with sort of the faces or some of the uh, the Vaughn uh, Vaughn things uh, we liked about uh, Fred Claus. I find in this one his face his facial 
what he's saying and the faces he's making don't always align. And I found that to be very, very funny. You know, it was a bit more of an eye roll. And, you know, when he's sort of making breakfast for Winthorpe and, or dessert, sorry. And then they kind of, they tell him, don't worry about it. He's just like hard cut to the garbage. He's got an exasperation and kind of a, I don't know, something about him really stuck out in this movie. And he's great. Another movie I really love called uh, Noises Off, which was his last movie, which is a really funny movie to me. And obviously he shows up in some Indiana Jones movies. So uh, uh, had you, did you recognize him in uh, this movie from the Indiana Jones movies? I know you're fancy. No, no, I just, well, I, I, I'm aware of him and I like mm-hmm. him. And, but there was something like, but there, I knew there was something that he was in, like that well known. And you just kind of filled in that blank. It was Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's yeah, good in that too. He's really good. In oh, that. absolutely. He's a little bit Brody. Yeah. Brody. Uh, yeah. Marcus Brody. So he's a little bit of, of, of comic relief in some movies, uh, but mm-hmm. he's played a very serious role in others. Uh, and I think he's, he's a good actor. Like I, I like his voice, something about his yeah. voice and his, his, his speech and his accent. Uh, it's something that a lot of grace. I don't know. It's very, very yeah, great. I, I thought he was great. Did you like him in this movie? Would he stand out to you? Any Coleman uh, memories that you, you have? Uh, uh, that that stand out. I, I again. I just thought his body language and his sort of facial expressions uh, tickled me almost every time he was on the screen. I think for me, this is one of the reasons why uh, you'd have to give it another watch because you you got, you got so much Eddie and Dan that it, they really steal the show a lot of times. And though I saw him there uh, as the butler and I appreciated mm-hmm. him and liked his performance, there's probably little things that didn't quite sink in for me because I was. Uh, just obviously taken with with Eddie and just kind of my eyes were kind of glued to him. So I think it's uh, definitely worth a second watch just to kind of get those few extra subtle, because, you know, subtle performance, I think, in general. uh, That he he brought. So, but in general, it's like, I I knew you would mention him. I I think I'm, if he doesn't, I will, because I just like him. I just, I enjoyed seeing him on on screen. And again, he may, he may be chuckled, just little lines here, little lines there that kind of just, you know, just added just another dimension to the movie. Cause it's again, a lot of Eddie, a lot of Dan It's like, he was kind of like, I don't want to say the third wheel because that has kind of a negative, uh, you know, connotation for sure. Yeah. Connotation. So I'm certainly not doing that. So definitely a good supporting. It's nice to have that little bit of extra support when you have two main leads and you have Jamie Lee Curtis who, who, uh, had her role, um, and it was great, but you still kind of want that other role in the other world because she was kind of in uh, Dan's world, Jamie Lee. So it's kind of nice to have that kind of second character uh, with Eddie to add to some some. Uh, well, he's in both, right? Like he, he's obviously yeah. The Coleman is the nice bridge, I think. You know, Coleman. Yeah. Maybe this is why I maybe noticed him a little more in this watch. But yeah, he's sort of the bridge between the two worlds. You know, he's mm-hmm. and he and he pivots obviously brilliantly. You know, at, at the scene when when they're. Winthrop's trying to confront him, you know, and he's just sort of plays dumb the whole time. Right. But has to not only play the sort of happy go luckily lucky Butler with Winthrop at the beginning to set it all up, but then flip all that and now be the dutiful servant to Eddie. And also with the knowledge of what's going on. So he says things like, just be yourself. You know, they can't take that away from you. Right. So he's obviously, there's a certain amount of like unease with what he's doing. But uh, it plays sort of both both sides of that, I thought, really well. And like to your point, yeah, Jamie Lee is very much with Aykroyd's character uh, throughout, you know, all of the movie. You know, he she only meets Eddie in the sort of final third of the movie, right? Like you said, the last act. So, uh, 
Coleman kind of is a, is a great character to kind of, I think anyway, bridge the two and, and, a, and a really great, great performance to do it, which I, I, I think I, love. I know you like a good pivot. Uh, we've established <laughs> that uh, your love for pivoting. Uh, he's been in, he, he's been acting since 1947. So yeah, he's a hell of a run, hell of a run there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm assuming he has passed. I'm not sure. Uh, yes. When, but uh, he definitely had a lengthy career running from looks like 47 to 92. So good 40, 45 years, 45, 50 years. Yeah. So had a so good run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So now let's, let's mention just, I mean, we talked a little bit about him, Eddie Murphy without him. I don't know how good this movie is. Uh, as much as we've, we've, we've commented on, on the others, in my view, he's the show stealer. Everything that guy does, as I said, everything he touches, every laugh uh, for me is connected. You know, it's like a chuckle uh, uh, at different scenes. It's certainly at the very beginning of the movie, setting up Aykroyd's character. There's a couple of chuckles and a couple of, <laughs> that's a, you know, a guffaw even. But, uh, <laughs> but it's not until Eddie shows up on screen as the sort of uh, you know blind and uh, and crippled uh, homeless man, you know, sort of uh, character that I'm laughing, you know, and, and it just doesn't really stop. Almost everything that guy does uh, throughout the whole rest of the movie uh, it makes me makes me laugh. He's an actor that, as I said before, movies that aren't great. I, I love a movie like a Distinguished Gentleman. You mentioned I Spy, you know, are are just sort of frivolous movies, but he's such a magnetic kind of character that even if the performance isn't uh, brilliant or, 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 you know, having depth or what have you uh, the movies become entertaining merely by his presence. Uh, I think he's, he's got that kind of charisma and that kind of persona. And then there are times, you know, stuff like uh, Dolomite is my name, uh, which just came out a couple of years back. And uh, certainly, um, you know, Dream Girls came out in like 07, I think. So, you know, nominated for an Oscar for that movie. I thought, you know, a real chance to sort of give his range and give his depth. So uh, just all the credit in the world. The guy is just pure lightning. And I think at 21 years old to own this movie and really, you know, next year, I think he did Beverly Hills Cop, uh, which really, you know, cemented him in in, in that in that sphere. So uh, just uh, just amazing. And, and so... Uh, You'll find any of the scenes we talk about in this movie, uh, uh, he's going to be the highlight of them for me. I just think he's he's electric. This, I find I find, feel that this movie was like a warm up for you know Beverly Hills. You know, this was just think, kind of yeah, you know, loosening the muscles. You're doing a little you know a little warm up run around the track. You know, stretching the muscles. Yeah. Previous uh, to this, he had done uh, 48 hours with uh, Nick Nolte and. So I think you're right. I think in both these, those two movies, this and that, uh, he, he is sort of the, he's the sidekick, you know, he's the sort of, even though he steals kind of both of those movies, uh, he's positioned as the sidekick and in Beverly Hills Cop, he gets to be the lead lead guy. And obviously a career is born right from that uh, moment on. So, uh, but I thought <laughs> it's no, it's no surprise to me in watching this movie that the guy became a superstar. I kind of like him as the sidekick. Not to say that he can't lead a movie, and he has, and he's done it successfully. Uh, but when you're set up to be a supporting, uh, you know, actor or just a sidekick, you typically already have a good story and other good cast, and he can just take a movie that 
was pretty good and just elevate it, you know, and just bring this movie uh, to a whole new level because he's got, he's just there to support. Like he's, you got, again, I haven't seen 48 hours. I always forget about that one. It's pretty much his first mm-hmm. movie. If not, yeah. is his first movie. And uh, I mean, I like um, Nick Dalty. I mean, that was, he had a kind of a, a stint, I think we were. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm curious that that would be a movie uh, that I wouldn't mind watching just out of curiosity. Well, I've seen right here on the shelf, buddy. Don't you worry. <laughs> of course. What is it? I got a two pack. Uh, that and, and another forty. <laughs> so we're good. I have the three pack of Beverly Hills Cop on DVD. I got a great deal on it. Still haven't watched all of them, uh, so that's something I've got to get into as well. And I, I don't feel good about this, but I haven't seen Coming to America. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier. We're gonna skip it now, but we're gonna have a lot of chances because, uh, again, I own most of those movies and both of those movies, uh, Part Three of Beverly Hills Cop and uh, Coming to America, directed by John Landis. So we're gonna we're gonna be able to dive in a little deeper uh, in in the coming months and years. So uh, uh, stay tuned. You're gonna you're gonna <laughs> in for real too. What? Uh, let me ask you this one: uh, Metro. Have you seen Metro? I have not. No, okay. that was one I met. There was a there was a period of time I never saw. Uh, Metro, I didn't, there's about three or four movies. I never saw I Spy. There's a couple of movies in that sort of time frame that I'd maybe uh, kind of not given up, but just sort of moved away, you know, just never, never really followed up on, on some of those movies. So what I, we'll what I'd like in any, in, in, in this movie, uh, we'll go back just to his performance in this movie. Cause he brings, you know, as much as I say, there's Eddie in every movie there is, but there's different parts of Eddie and he kind of just, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm accessing this part of me, this movie, and I'm going to do this part. He has, sometimes he has this innocence about him. You know, sometimes he's naive. Sometimes he's in, just incredibly arrogant and, 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 and smart and, and so other, so many things. There is this kind of, I mean, again, you know, I do love a good, I love a good backstory. There's not really a backstory here. It doesn't really need one. I am mean, curious to why he's in the situation he's in, uh, pretending to be blind. Sure. <laughs> and, and he's a con man, eggs. you know, just trying to get some money, just trying to make. Yeah, he's uh, a con man. And we can just yeah. hang our hat on that. He's a con man, and I just love his little spiel at the beginning about how he's in Vietnam. It just <laughs> he just doesn't shut up, and he keeps keeps going on, and just I love I love his dedication to selling his is who he is. Like he's just you know uh i like that his, his his perseverance and just kind of you know and he just he almost like he's trying to convince himself this is who i am and, and he does that does that a few times in this movie and a few times in other, other movies i'm sure it's just part of his charm uh but it just gets you right on board with him right off the bat with, with it just makes you smirk but he has this That's innocence it. about him you know it, it, it helps a, i think that he's so young i think that that's sort of part of it i think he just is yeah. such a young young kid good looking kid like i don't know there's something about it again that charm that you just kind of go with him even if uh even if it doesn't make a lot of sense as i said before like that sequence where he shows up and he's he's you know working with the uh, the dukes we'll kind of go back to the beginning beginning but but you know asking the dukes for money and getting sort of sloughed aside and you know, beat up and he's sort of chatting and, 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 and then the cops show up and he's definitely doing that, like uh, his little bit, you know, around uh, in Vietnam and the battalion and, and all of those sort of just words, right? Like a, just a word salad to try and sort of. Mm-hmm. That's my first laugh. As I said before, like that sequence, it just makes me laugh. Whereas I like, you know, the beginning, I, I like the montage opening. I like that stuff. I liked little things like Winthorpe getting to the, getting to the, to the office 
and just repeating good morning a hundred times. I don't know what it is, but that made me chuckle and continues to make me chuckle like every time. There's just something that I find very humorous to me about good morning, good morning, good morning, mm -hmm. good morning, over and over and over again. There's something deadpan, right? Wide angle shot, just walking through this big foyer, repeating good morning over and over again. I don't know what that is says about me, but it makes me chuckle uh, every time. But I wasn't <laughs> laughing for sure uh, until Eddie showed up. And then then uh, it's a different movie. You know, again, the energy completely changes. His, and, you know, that follows suit with the 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 sequence where he kind of bumps into Winthorpe, right? He's, it's his escape from the cops that he kind of gets roped into this thing and he steals the bag and there's all this like, and this is, again, another 80s thing, right? Where it's like black is bad, you know, uh, uh fear the black man particularly in you know upper echelon stuff uh rich people in 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 a very uh white centric money driven world you know it's like the they're criminals they're all criminals you know that's sort of that that nonsense of, of yeah. the early 80s and it comes across obviously immediately in that sequence and uh the chase sequence through the room and, you know, is there a problem officers when he gets all the guns on him? Like just, again, the energy is just like, it's, it goes into high gear at that point that those are sequences, those scenes right off the bat. I just think are, are hilarious. Yeah. It, was, it kept you just engaging like the, the movie right from the beginning with all the shots uh, and then it just gets right into it. And then it goes back. Uh, we do a little Dan and then we get um, Eddie. And then of course they kind of come together and then we're going to get both stories. So it definitely, it definitely, the movie starts out really strong. I, th I yeah. felt I just feel like the first, you know, half hour is, it's going full speed ahead. I'm, en I'm enjoying the movie. It's great. I just, it just didn't, it kind of, for me, just kind of lost the gas, uh, some, some of the gas. Yeah. I agree in that. Uh, I said, I, I do think it's a little too long and, but I, I, I think when we get there, we can certainly put, pinpoint a few things. I think that, that, that third act kind of doesn't deliver maybe that, that is set up in the first and, and, so forth yeah. but in terms of as you said that first act it's just uh it's near perfect i think like it's just it's a it's a perfect blend of comedy setup you know you get the the dukes and they're doing their bets and they're talking yeah. about hereditary and uh, nature versus nurture and you yeah. get their sort of backstory a little bit and like kind of old money and and, and it's a good setup it's a good setup and then they yeah. sort of followed up uh so anyway, I think that that first act is, I think, really, really great up until, and even the, I loved, I thought it was so great, the, uh, when they decide, to, I thought the way that that is shot and presented is both like creepy and just kind of beautiful and kind of a little bit of that majestic, you know, with that sort of big round table, again, wide angle shots, stand up, we've got Clarence Beeks, uh, Gleason there again uh, from Breakfast Club and, and certainly from Die Hard and and playing Clarence Beeks and he, he just sort of placed your left hand and your right paw. You know, just there's something about the structure of that that I thought was actually kind of ominous and I thought really well shot. So that that sort of that pivot point for now they're flipping the the positions. I thought what a what a great conceit. I thought, like I said, this first third of the movie I thought was really almost perfect, like really expertly handled. I thought. Uh, Nothing really stuck yeah. out as being bad or or like boring or lame or not interesting. I think I think it got not lucky, but it could have went it could have went bad. It could have went south. Like this is a movie that uh, you have to get you have to switch places, trading places. So you have to get them into that position. 
and yeah. how they got Eddie to where Eddie was and how they got, I think that was just well done and almost kind of like a, for me, a sigh of relief. Cause I could have, it could not have been that well done. I'm not saying it couldn't have been better, but I think I was, it, 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 I was on board with everything that all their choices they were making to get them set up in, and to the second act where, um, Dan is obviously poor and Thorpe and, and Eddie's uh, living, living the life and actually thriving. Not only is living, he's doing actually doing a, doing a good job, not just enjoying the, the spoils, uh, but doing actually a good job and, and making money for, for the company. So I liked the, the journey that, that, that took us there. And I appreciated that it wasn't easy. Like I felt like it's just not an easy thing to do uh, for, to get the audience to um, buy into it and be on board with this. Because it is a kind of a weird situation that you, know, you could have used um, some some tropes and some other um, you know things that uh, could have certainly taken away the essence of, of the movie. Uh, and I just I just like even parts about Eddie when having all his friends over, yeah, and just just that realization that these aren't really his friends. Yeah, I thought I think that I thought that was kind of a a fun scene and a nice touch uh, and some some breasts, of course, to to help move it along. Um, I thought that was uh, clever because it's like Eddie's Eddie his character isn't stupid. Uh, you you if you're going to be a successful con man, you have a level of intelligence. That's right. Yeah, you have to play the you have to play the angles, right? You have to know the know the angles. I thought again those scenes cutting from the you know even the prison where he gets to again just showcases fast talking. I, I, I laugh so hard when he when he's getting threatened in the in the in the jail. And he's like, can you believe all this shit happening to me in cell number seven on the fourth floor? Like, just like, <laughs> like trying to get some cops while still trying to talk trash. Yeah. Uh, so like that scene where, again, he's just like totally hilariously talking again, just in it's Eddie, you know, sort of fast talking way to then showing up with like a suit and, you know, really flashy and like all that stuff. But then he gets there and he's still like, uh, you know, don't put Colts out on my carpet. You know, like he's sort of, there's a sense of ownership that says like, you're just a bunch of deadbeats. You know, I'm, there's something about like, I have money and that I need to protect that. I actually think is a bit contradictory to the message of the movie, but it is a little bit like now he's got the money. He's got, he's trying to preserve it. Right. Like, okay, this is my place. Don't fuck around. Don't, mm-hmm. you know, and again, there's so much boobs in that, in that scene that doesn't make, any real sense whatsoever, but uh, not, not yeah, really so complaining about it, but it doesn't really doesn't, make a lot of sense that it's there. But it does not hurt the film at all. Uh, no, I, no, I, no, I also do appreciate him trying to steal his own things. Like saying, this is yeah, all that's yours. Funny. That's funny too. And he can't accept that it's all his. And he keeps telling, <laughs> this is yours. This is yours. And he just keeps doing it because it hasn't sunk in yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's trying to, he puts it in his, yeah, this is my vase and this is my watch. And he's like, the ashtray, he's like, it's just and I mean, how, how could it sink in so quickly? He's going from zero to 10, right? And just all of yeah. a sudden he has nothing. Now he has everything. That doesn't sink in right away. It takes time. I think again, another good thing the movie does is, although it's a two hour film, why it's long isn't that part of it where they're, we're taking us along for Eddie, for it to sink in with Eddie and it's sinking with that end. That's not what makes this movie long. Unfortunately, I thought they did yeah. a really good job of that that part of not being too fast or too slow with kind of the the transition of, of Eddie's character. I mean, it's going to be a little bit quick and in, in, uh, in some aspects because sure. you can drag that out for hours. 
Uh, that's its own movie. You know, like you can really have, yeah. that's the whole, yeah, the whole plot. But, yeah. But I think they did what they needed to do to have the movie keep moving forward, move it along, not too quick, but quick enough that uh, to keep us engaged and stuff. It's They just ended up things that, uh, that well, again, we'll talk about sh- uh, shortly that I thought was just not great choices. And maybe it's just me. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I was just expecting something different for the last 20, but maybe I was just so ex- uh, enjoying the, the rhythm and the vibe of the first, you know, hour, hour 20 that I was yeah. like, I just, you know, I wanted more of that, I guess. And I just, uh, the choices they made at the beginning to kind of introduce the switch kind of was so well done, but what they try to do to tie it all together at the end, not so well executed in my opinion, of course. Yeah. I think, again, I, I think that, that that's pretty accurate for the third act, you know, cause everything, I mean, we'll talk now about the sort of, let's say the rise of Eddie and the fall of Winthorpe, you know, we'll talk maybe a little bit about Dan Aykroyd's character. So from like, he gets, you know, arrested and it's just, uh, it's all downhill and it's very fast and it's pretty funny, you know, him in the jail. cell, the sort of fish out of water, you know, the other way, you know, with now this rich guy trying to be in the, in the know or, or, or in this like position where he's got to be fast on his feet and he's got to be thinking, and it's just not his character whatsoever. And he used to, he's used to kind of money getting him out. Right. So just like the quickness that he much like Eddie very quickly kind of has money, even if he hasn't adapted well, he just has it. And he immediately changes his personality and like, Oh, I'm, you know, King shit. I can do this or that. There is a, with Dan Aykroyd, it's like an immediate, like precipitous fall, you know, from the highest high to when we see him, he's absolutely a wreck. And, and I think that that is really well projected and, and, and portrayed. And in that scene where he's in the, you know, in the cops and he's, you know, uh, he's got, he's got all the charge cards and he's trying to desperately figure out what the heck's going on. It goes back to Coleman. He's trying to fight and all of the sort of elements of him on his decline leading up until, um, you know, those kind of, uh, the scene where he's basically vagrant, you know, where he's like the Santa Claus, he's dirty, he's disgusting, he's gross. Like that, that scene where he's like eating the fish out of his, you know, (laughs) is absolutely like the grossest thing I remember seeing when I was a kid and it still is gross, but like, he's so fallen, you know, and he's like trying to sell his Rolex and all of those things. Like I thought very well portrayed, and again, keeps the movie moving so f- mm-hmm. at a brisk pace. Um, and his performance, I thought, was just really excellent. So in that middle act, again, Eddie's rise and and when they're trying to teach him, you know, uh, the uh, when he shows up in the office and he's like, I've already had breakfast because he sees orange juice and bacon and, and, and whatever else. And talking about bacon and a bacon, lettuce and tomato sandwich, he just looks at the camera, Eddie does. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's something about that face, too, that anyway, that whole section of him of the of the crisscross i thought again just brilliant for that half hour or 40 minutes or so i thought uh, near perfect this movie is i think pretty near perfect up until they meet each other um after the, yeah. the bed is sort of uncovered now what are your thoughts on that second act you know you, you mentioned that there are things that you know you were kind of with it uh, anything stand out in that sort of second act any scenes in particular uh, during the rise and fall that was really hitting its stride and I, I enjoy them 
both sides of it for different reasons, like seeing the decline of, of Dan Aykroyd's character and seeing the rise of Eddie Murphy's. I appreciate them in, in different ways. I, can, I can't honestly say which one I like better. You, you think I'd say, you know, Eddie Murphy's because he's such so electric. And, and I think maybe the, maybe the performance had a little bit more energy, but the content of, of Dan's side, there's so much content there. Uh, I think I enjoyed that just as much because of that. Uh, yeah. It was just, you know, riddled with that, uh, with that. And I just like, and just having Jamie Lee Curtis as a life jacket, a life preserver for, for him, basically, or yeah. it was, would have been um, certainly a lot worse even. Uh, I just uh, added a whole other element to his side of the, of, of, of the story. So I, I don't know which why I can't honestly say which, if I liked one better than the other, but because I was just it, all for a, in its totality, uh, it was great, and then that's the, that's the for me the best part of the film is is, is yeah. that second act, uh, and just kind of I mean I have to watch it again just to even appreciate uh, the the decline of, of Dan's character like it that's, it happened I don't want to say it happened too fast, but it happened it was you know it kept moving forward and kept happening kept happening I'd want to watch it again just to to appreciate it even a little bit more. <laughs> for sure i think one of the things that makes it so funny is how fast it is for me like yes, i think exactly. it is i don't want to say too fast but it is like again he's off a cliff you know yeah and i think that i think that that is what makes it even funnier that both of them actually exactly. adapt at least physically to their new surroundings so quickly i think is part of the joke and i think delivers pretty funny stuff to me but exactly and that's why you get the sense of quickness but again not too quick it's really hard to find the right word for it but that's 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 yeah. because yeah how it's uh, how the story uh, went out so kudos to that and it was just uh, and again you have and then just because we're getting a little bit on time i think we should spend just a little bit of time on the dukes yeah uh, uh forget their specific names it doesn't really matter they're both jerks i don't know they have this <laughs> i feel like at some points they're not self-aware what they're doing uh-huh. i feel like i even feel like one of the dukes actually thinks he's a good person Yes, at, at certain points, and then you have uh, um, where they just don't really don't care because they're so they're so rich, they really yeah. just don't give a shit. And you get you're so rich for so long, you get a little sloppy. Uh, yeah, you know uh, that's what happens. They didn't, perp- you know, they didn't think anybody was in the bathroom listening. But uh, again, yeah, that uh, that <laughs> that's a scene that I don't like in part because it's like the entire plot. Right. Like it happens about an hour 20 into the movie. There's 40 minutes left. And this is to me where it starts to really kind of fall apart because a, that scene is so just like didactic. It's on the nose. It's sort of, it's almost too like they, they've got a hundred offices in that place that they could be talking. You know what I mean? Like it's just so contrived I found. And I also think that, you know, fooled me once, you know, kind of situation like Clarence speaks like, okay, Ackroyd, discovers him in the payroll and then eddie also fire you know finds him in the payroll i think you know you guys as you said you're just getting sloppy you know you get caught once uh hide you know like get better you know what i mean and so there is a part that does think like okay well now that the plot has to unravel it it becomes now they're teaming up against the dukes and it's just a little less interesting to me uh, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point that I think that scene, that bathroom scene really is what launches the third act yeah, and agreed. forces it to make certain choices um, to because of what happened in the bathroom. And I think that's where 
had they not had that scene or just done something different, I think I myself would have, well, unless the, uh, the choice they'd made instead was even worse. But uh, I think something else, I, I can't even tell you what I would have liked to see. Like, there's nothing that pops off in my head that says, oh, I wish they had done this or I wish the For characters, sure. had, there's nothing I can't think of it. I would, I could, if I sat down for an hour and actually thought about it, I could probably come up with some, write something down what I like if I put some time into it. This yeah. certainly wouldn't have been it. If I, like, this is not what I would have come up with. Like, oh, here's to spill out the whole plot. And now we have to team up. And I just don't like that. And I usually, you know me, I love when the, when the, the, the team up, I love the team up. Big fan of the team sure. up. You know, and to it's... coin a, a phrase from a previous episode, you love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's just not those two. It's also Jamie Lee Curtis and it's also the yes. butler. Uh, yeah. So it's not just the two of them. And I don't know, maybe it's just the, the, the chemistry altogether just didn't quite click for me or, or maybe yeah. I just didn't really, I really just didn't like what the story was doing. And I just didn't, wasn't even paying attention to the, the chemistry, but I just, uh, yeah, didn't, didn't like that. But that's good that you brought that up. That bathroom scene pretty much kind of forces some things uh, for the, the rest of the movie to kind of play out that way. So. Yeah, I find that part starts to it, it, it pivots so that I'm I've lost now on the, a little bit on the plot, and then uh, a later when they're on the train, I'm fa- frankly just a little bit bored with you know they they, they kind of linger too long on these sort of baggage handlers Al Franken and you know and that uh, the gorilla <laughs> stuff like all of a sudden all the stuff at the end i'm like i don't really connect to any of this and the only thing i i i like about the train scene is really just eddie Mo- eddie murphy coming in saying merry new year and 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 that makes me laugh and how sort of obnoxious he is with relationship to gleason's character but all the stuff after and certainly the blackface like that is it just again ages terribly it's such like an 80s kind of nonsense but other and this is why that's New Year's, and so just him saying Merry New Year over and over again is to me the reason why in my brain this is connected to a, a New Year's movie and not a Christmas movie is that. And I think those are he is funny, but everything around it is so strange. And maybe the rucksack and and uh, from Sweden and those kinds of things they're kind of humorous, but I'm never laughing again like I am at the first two thirds of the movie. And by the time it gets to the end, the plot becomes kind of convoluted around how they're going to get the orange juice, you know, futures and like all the, the stock marketing stuff of it doesn't make a lot of sense to the to me. Anyway, I was like, I don't get it, but good for you. Okay. You know? Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Right. So, and like, so it's like a big Epic kind of scene, you know, the stuff on the stock exchange, like it's a really like, it's cool that it happens, you know, it's like an Epic kind of sequence, but it means nothing, right? I have no, I don't know what the hell's going on, and they don't really explain it. And so again, that last third just, just really, I think, falls a bit off a cliff. And then it has that sort of happy-go-lucky ending with them at the on the island in the boat. But were you lost at all, or even engaged at all in that last in the train sequence, all the way through to the stock exchange? Anything kind of stick out with you, good or bad? Uh, a lot of it stuck out bad for me. Um, yeah, I like, I like, I like seeing Belushi, and I mean, it's nice. Seeing Al Franken with all that hair was that uh, young was was <laughs> yeah. okay, but I, I felt like this is and this is why I asked you in the beginning: Is this an SNL movie? Because it feels like okay, guys, it just turned into a bunch of characters from a, an SNL skit. Like yeah. the yeah. first two thirds was a movie, and it was a movie that I liked, and then the yeah. last third was like, what is this now? It's just now you have um, blackface, whatever you want to call it. 
You have yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis doing a character. You have, yeah. of course, Eddie doing a character. They're just doing characters. And then you have Belushi. Oh, I'm on SNL. I got to be in this movie for a little bit. Um, yeah. So it was Al Franken. I don't know if he was in SNL at the time, but he certainly was uh, a little bit later. Yeah. I think he may have so been, they, yeah. Yeah, something. And is this just letting your just let them just do a, a thing and then, and that really took me out of it and i even and i hate to say this i didn't even find eddie that funny uh the merry uh new year fine i, I, I giggle they laugh but everything outside of that i think yeah. and plus the, what the other characters were doing just took yeah. me further away of it so i'm not even gonna appreciate it because eddie i feel like not even eddie can save this <laughs> you know uh, yeah, Merry New Year and Beef Jerky Time are really, again, that the only things that really stick out for me of those last uh, 40 minutes. Yeah. It, it literally is just Beef Jerky Time and he goes and picks it out. Like, it's such a random non sequitur that I find it funny, but it doesn't make up for the fact that the rest of the 40 minutes is is pretty uh, yeah. boring, frankly. Just yeah. not not funny and not not exciting, not interesting. Yeah, and then you get to the stock scene, and I kept telling, asking my wife, I just don't get how this is works. Like they just have these yeah. papers, and, they're, yeah. and they're, how, how does this guy way back here get his paper? Like I don't get it. Yeah. How does yeah. that work without modern technology that we have today with the yeah. stock? How is it updating so fast when it, they're just writing this down on papers? And how's everybody that's in that room getting getting the recognition, like getting the attention that like you know, you know, I don't, I don't get it. I just didn't get it. Uh, I'm sure on, that's what happened back then in the stock market. It was also pr predictable. You knew what was going to happen, really. Uh, yeah. For the most part, is that you know they win, uh, the Dukes lose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and the ending. I'm okay with that generally. You know, like okay, it's a comedy, of course. But again, if yeah. I'm so disengaged by the time, it's like, well, I don't really care who wins or loses at this point. Yeah, and this is what I would have done, Phil, at the end. Is I don't need to see them off enjoying themselves on the beach. That that scene wasn't even funny. Yeah, uh, I would have preferred to see the Dukes living in, sure. you know, uh, on the streets or whatever they choose to do. I think that would have been much more uh, funny. I thought that sure. would have been more funny. Let's see them in uh, how they are without the, the environment. You know, that would That's have been right. funny. But that's just me. I thought that was a poor choice, even at the end. It wouldn't even, so we couldn't even rebound from the last 30 minutes to at least tie it up all nice at the end for me. I thought it was a bit of a just a bit of a cop out, and it just wasn't wasn't funny. So it's disappointing because the movie. Uh, I enjoyed it, and I enjoy. I think it, other than some obvious things that didn't age quite well. Um, but again, it is 1983. There's certain things are that's how it was in 90, 1983. That's right. Unfortunately. Uh, Unfortunately so, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it, it still aged well. The fact that we're, it's still funny. It's nothing like the, 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 the set and all that, the sound, everything else was fine. Like everything was good for me. It just, it's really just, mm -hmm. it's kind of disappointing. I don't know if I watch it again, to be honest with you. I might watch it again just for the first two thirds. I might even just turn it off. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I have to, uh, I have to agree. Uh, I think uh, I'll probably watch it again, but, but there, uh, I'll be uh, hopefully a little less surprised by that last act because I agree with you hundred percent. I think that the, the, it falls apart a little bit in that, in that four, in that third act, that last 40, that it's uh, it leaves kind of uh, not as great a feeling uh, those first two thirds, as I said, are near perfect comedy filmmaking to me. I just think they're so funny and then yeah, it kind of falls apart. So uh, 
Next week, uh, folks, we're going to do a, a little special episode to uh, honor the previous year. Uh, look back uh, over the previous 52 episodes. We appreciate you uh, joining us for them and a, a chance to revisit some uh, highlights and uh, some lowlights. So we'll be back next week with a little something special, a little something different. And, uh, and then we're going to go to Dave's shelf and, and see what the hell's going on over there. <laughs> yeah we're gonna have to put some work in this next episode so we'll get cracking at it i'm looking forward to that it'll be fun absolutely we'll see you then folks uh happy new year once again and uh join us for the look back happy new year good night